Introducing Why We Eat With Our Hands, a journey into the heart of South Asian culture and heritage. Experience the tale. Buy the book on Amazon and enhance the journey on Instagram. Today's guest has been featured on CNBC, Bloomberg, The New York Times, and a plethora of other media outlets. And her expertise in tax and finance serves physicians and business owners. But what is a nice little twist to the way that she serves her clients is actually stemming from her background as a South Asian woman. I would like to introduce to you Anjali Jariwala. Anjali, thank you so much for being here today. Of course. Thank you for having me, Faith. Yeah, so I do, even though this is about finances, I want to start with the fact that you wrote a children's book, and it's a cultural one. Please tell our audience about your book. Yes, I would love to. So uh, the book is called Why We Eat With Our Hands, and it was a passion project of mine that I took on uh, during COVID when, you know, I've, uh, my daughter is seven years old now and I've been a big advocate of building an inclusive bookshelf for her. And I was having a really hard time finding books that featured South Asian characters written by South Asian authors. And so, you know, anyone who knows me knows that like, when I identify a problem, I'm like, okay, I will do something about that. So I decided to help contribute to the representation by writing a children's book as my own. So what started as, you know, a gift for my daughter so that she could have a book that she could really see herself in has evolved into so much more in terms of my passion around representation in children's literature, as well as financial planning, which I'm sure we'll talk about as well. Yes. I mean, oh yeah, such a natural response. There's no books like this, so I might as well write one. <laughs> I, that <laughs> speaks you know, volumes. That a long process. <laughs> such a long process. Yes. Oh my gosh. And it speaks volumes about you as a person. And, you know, you wanting to bring so much of that culture to your daughter so that she has the exposure so that she can understand things at such an early age i'm sure that has to bleed into the other perspectives that you have when working with your clients yes it it, it does you know it's it's interesting because people are like well that's so different from what you do now and i was like it is but it you know, there's so much overlap in all the different hats that we wear, you know, a hat that I wear as a mom, as an author, as a financial advisor, you know, as a wife, you know, and I think a lot of what I do in terms of helping my clients and the work that I do comes from a place of understanding them, right, based on my own life experiences. So for me, everything, I, I, I do try to take that personal approach and sharing my own story and my own journey. And so part of, you know, writing the book was, yes, the representation, because I also started my own financial planning firm from the same premise that I want to help people in my age group could not find a firm that did so. I wanted to help people similar to my husband and I, you know, I work with a lot of children of immigrants, first generation immigrants. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I decided, you know, I can make a bigger impact starting my own firm, serving the clients that I really want to serve and for there to be more advisors that look like me because there's still very, very few advisors. And when I started going into kind of the children's literature space, when I was researching the book, 
same thing happened. <laughs> There's not that many authors that look like me or that look like you, right? right. You know, there's still more books written about animals than all BIPOC children as a whole. So we still have, you know, there's a lot of progress being made, but we have so much work to do in so many of these professions. And so if I can help move the needle even a little bit, that's something that I can say I'm very proud of doing. Oh, for sure. But why I would like you to share why culture you think is so important. Why is it so impactful to the way that people see things? I mean, why was it so important that you enrich your daughter with your cultural background? Or why do you think that culture is such a big impact to the clients that you serve, whether they're from here or they're um, children of immigrants? Why is that such a, a big deal? Yeah, such a big question. So, you know, I think I come from a place of kind of thinking my of my own background and culture. And so, you know, when I was writing the children's book, I was thinking back to when I was a child and I was on another interview and the woman had asked me, you know, what, what books do you remember as a child featuring South Asian children? And I was like, none, like literally there were no books featuring <sighs> South Asian children. So the fact that like Nyla has a bookshelf filled with not only South Asian children, children from so many different backgrounds and ethnicities talking about different cultures, you know, it, it warms my heart that she has access to those types of stories and that her friends have access to those types of stories. And part of the, the push on culture for me, for my daughter, is that because we live in America, like the statistics show that like the cultural elements that we have that we identify with just continues to diminish with each generation that we're in this country right like my parents were first generation i'm second and i don't want my daughter to lose that cultural identity i think it's so important in terms of like how she views things i think it's something that she's very proud of and i want her to be able to retain that culture because i think it's so beautiful and i think that it it really shows cases like our country as a whole like we are a melting pot we have so many different cultures and why not celebrate it and such a great way to celebrate cultures is through storytelling right it's through these oh, yeah. books and our children are the generation that will help make that impact and that change the more stories there are that not only south asian children are reading but non-south asian children are reading where they can better understand like why does my friend do that you know why 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 doesn't i like eat with her hands you know let me understand that instead of you know not really understanding it and having some negative connotation around it right and i think because you know a lot of us that have strong cultural ties and cultural backgrounds it does shape us in terms of like how we think, how we process information. And I've seen similar types of elements in my financial planning business, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of how my clients view money can be shaped by, you know, their upbringing, like how they grew up in their household, what, what money, what money stories were taught to them as children. A lot of times that comes from our parents and it comes from their backgrounds and their culture. So a lot of it is like without really understanding the culture, not only the culture that I identify with, but other cultures, it's really hard to like communicate and make an impact with people, right? We first need to come to a place of like mutual respect and understanding and, it, and an openness to understanding like, tell me about your cultural background tell me how it's shaped you and who you are today 
And then tell me how that impacts your views on money, right? Because until we can address that, I'm not going to make very much progress with my clients because there is a barrier there that we need to work through in order for not only me to help give them good advice, but also for them to feel empowered to make good decisions for themselves. Oh, I can totally see that. And I, I, it makes me wonder, though, if somebody else were to ask these same questions, would they be able to glean from that conversation the same thing and as powerfully as you can glean from it, being children of a, ch a child of an immigrant as well? I mean, you have a lot of things that you can relate to. You understand that the culture that you live in is, the, is different than the culture that you live at, at home. So there's a layer there that gives you kind of a different perspective when you're even digesting the stories that people are telling you. I mean, do you think that our you know, counterparts who may have lived here for generations in America could ask the same questions? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, that's a, it's an interesting question. It's, it's actually coming up a lot in financial planning, especially because we're seeing this shift from you know, very numbers investment focus to this behavioral element of finance, right? And so it's very easy for me to talk to an Indian client and for them to be like, I can't spend money because my background is such that my parents told me to save every dollar. So I have a really hard time spending money and I can completely relate because that is my mindset. I come from a money scarcity mindset, very similar background. And so I don't think that someone who maybe doesn't have the same shared experiences can't ask, but I think that you, if you don't have those shared experiences, then I think you have to just be very thoughtful in how you approach the subject, right? And I think it, everything will always come first from a place of trust. So the person has to trust you before they're going to start telling you very personal, sensitive information. And so we have to make sure that you know, and I, and similar to me, you know, not every client that I work with shares the same exact background as me. They have different backgrounds. And so I try to come from a place of mutual respect and to say like, can you, if you're comfortable, can you share a little bit more about that with me? Because I want to make sure that I really understand if you're comfortable sharing so that we can see if we can work through this. I can present information in a way that will resonate better, et cetera. So right. I think people are are willing, but I think it's, you know, you have to be mindful of your approach, right? If you're just going to sit down and be like, tell me about your immigrant background so that oh. I can do your financial plan. <laughs> That's very different than coming from a place of like, you know, do you feel like there's certain aspects of your background that, you know, are ha making it harder for you to spend money or save money. And a lot of that comes up in conversation. So like as advisors, the main job that we should be doing is listening, right? There's so mm. much that is said if we just listen and then from that information, be able to pick up on those things that we are noticing and then how to approach that with a client in a way that's respectful toward them and not pushing them into an area in which they may feel very uncomfortable because not everyone is open to sharing right away, right? So we just have to be mindful of how we're approaching that. Certain topics are going to be easier for me to approach because of my background and my experience. That doesn't mean that someone else should not try to connect with a client that way, but their approach is going to have to be different because they come from a different background. 
That makes sense. And I can imagine, I mean, money conversations are already difficult for people, um, regardless of what cultural background you have. But I can imagine that in some cultures, there could be a certain shame around spending money when there is, there are scarcity issues or even feeling compelled intrinsically to make sure that you have enough to provide for more than just your immediate family. Um, a lot of other cultures are very family oriented, so it's not just about you, know, you and your children, your spouse, it's also your parents, potentially even your cousins, uh, your aunts and uncles. So what is that like with the conversations? How do you break down some of those walls? Um, are you posing questions? Or is there something else that you're doing that we could all learn from? Yes, I mean, it's, it's such a multifaceted process, right? But it stems from the place of first that money is a tool. So first we have to get our, our mindset around that. It's just a tool, right? But for a lot of us, including myself personally, there's a lot of emotion and trauma tied to money, right? Money trauma. is something that trauma yes i have money trauma and i i have spent a lot of work on myself in therapy to understand the money trauma and i think you know a lot of it stems from the fact that like my dad came to this country in the 70s seven dollars in his pocket started all over again and then you know was able to build a life for my mom and for my sister and i and i think he used up all of his like risk capital in that move so as soon mm. as he came here, he just was not able to take a single risk because he used it all up. So for him, it was very much like find a really good, stable job, save every penny you can. And that's how my sister and I were raised, right? Like we, you know, like I would remember on the weekends, my mom would be like, okay, we're going to go grocery shopping, which meant going to five different stores because tomatoes <laughs> were on still here. And then you had to go get beans from over there, right? Like all Asian parents right. <laughs> yes. to this. And so, you know, as an adult, I had a really, I, you know, I would get stressed out unless there was a lot of money sitting in my savings account. And because of that kind of emotional aspect of money, I missed out on things that would have made me financially a lot better. Like mm. I could have been contributing to my Roth IRA every year and maxing out my 401k. And I wasn't doing all of those things because I kept thinking like, I just need to save every dollar in my savings account and build that. And the flip side of it is I also very much deprive myself. So, you know, mm. I, I think that it's really important for us to understand like what money means. And so for me, because there's a scarcity around money, I had to learn how to, you know, get out of my comfort zone with that to better understand that like, okay, money, yes, I have emotion tied to money. I'm never going, that will never go away. So there's certain things that I always need to do to make sure that I'm feeling comfortable but I also can give myself permission to spend money, right? Like I like to buy handbags. And so I give myself permission to buy one handbag a year that I really want, right? And so mm -hmm. for me, it's really important that we also are treating ourselves because if money is a tool, money is a tool to achieve our goals. And part of achieving our goals is to also spend our money. And there's a dichotomy between my parents' generation and my generation in which we don't want to save all of our money to enjoy it in retirement. We want to be able to enjoy our money now while we're young, while we have our kids, right? And so it's it's also this constant balance of what we were taught as children, 
All of our parents are still here. You know, my dad even asked, he's like, are you sure you're saving enough for retirement? And I'm like, dad, I'm a financial advisor, right? He, he sees the way we spend, which, you know, we spend responsibly, but it's very mm -hmm. different from how my parents spend. So they just worry, right? And so I think we're, we're not only juggling kind of our emotional ties around money, we're also juggling kind of what others are perceiving us to be. And that just puts oh. added strain and burden, right? I, I, a lot of us can attest to that. It doesn't even necessarily come from the cultural background. It can be, you know, the, the notion of keeping up with the Joneses. And so we have to be able to like take it back and say like, your goals and your values are your own. And so when we, when I see clients get confused or drift from that, I say, let's come back to these goals and values that you told me are important, right? Let's keep our eye on what you've told me what's important, not what they've told me is important, right? We don't, we don't want to worry about what other people are doing, but what, what's important is this, this, and this. So are you spending your money in a way that's aligning with those goals and values? And if it's not, then I think we need to revisit this because we're drifting. And so there's something else that's coming into play, whether it's a trigger, whether it's money trauma that we need to address so that you guys feel like you're back to kind of a neutral stance where you can make those good financial decisions for yourself that comes yeah. back to the goals and values. I love that realignment process that you do because I think, um, sure, I'm, I'm sure that all cultures to some degree can um, attest to the weight of other people's perspectives um, that you know we let sit on our shoulders, but the, but many of the other cultures outside of America, outside of white America, I don't know how to politically say that because <laughs> I'm brown. So, um, but you know, other cultures tend to place a lot of weight in what the parents think about the way that we're choosing to live our life. And as much as we try to say, we're going to make the right decision, the decision that we think is right for us, there's still a lingering kind of haunting notion that we know ex still exists. There's still a measurement stick out there that is waiting for us to go check in with. So how do you help your clients navigate that and make the distinction between, you know, deciding what's right for you and your family and trying to let go of the pressures of what other people have put onto you? Yes. You know, a lot of it is just giving clients, the space to talk because a lot of times, you know, I have clients that do money dates. So they like carve out once a week to talk about money. Most people don't do that. I think I commend them for doing that. So like when they come and talk with me, that might be the only space and time they've allotted to really talk about these things. And so yeah. much of it is, you know, me directing and asking questions, of course, but a lot of it is just allowing people that that's time and space to talk about it in a safe environment, right? I think a lot of what they're feeling, a lot of that pressure, once they talk about it, it's now out in the open, right? It's not like in your head spinning, it's out there. And now we have information in terms of, okay, like you've identified this problem all on your own. I'm here as your guide. So now what can we do next, right? And so a lot of it is baby steps, right? For especially like, you know, the, the, the example I always like to give is like when my clients get a bonus, you know, they'll email me and they said, I got this bonus. Like, what should we do with it? Should we invest it? Should it put, should we put it in the emergency fund? And I said, the first thing you're going to do 
is you're going to carve a portion out as a treat to yourself, right? Mm. And so a lot of times what our clients need is permission. I need permission, right? I need permission to spend. I get that permission from my husband, right? And my husband has very similar background to mine, but he comes from an abundance mindset. And how that happened, I don't know, but he <laughs> never worries about money. He's like, money will be there. We can't predict everything that's going to happen. So let's just enjoy. So like a lot of times when I'm like, I don't, I don't think we should spend that. It's he'll give me the permission to do so. So a lot of it is like me giving clients permission. And a lot of my clients will be like, oh, like, I really appreciate that you like, let me carve something up for myself. And I said, yes, because you worked really hard. So what's the point of working really hard if you can't take any of that as like a treat or a reward for yourself, right? So I think it's coming back to like, you know, we always, a lot of us come from a place of like, we want to always be responsible. And part of that responsibility is also taking care of ourselves. So they just, sometimes my clients just need someone to say like, it's okay, you can do that. It's okay, you can buy that. Like you're not being irresponsible. And a lot of the stuff with like, well, my my parents and this and that, and I said, but this is your life, right? And your parents will always be there. They're always going to have an opinion. That's what parents do. Right. But do you want to live your life for yourself or you do you want to live it for what someone else's perception of what life should be, right? So I think it's, a lot of it is like, we don't, it's not like I'm, I have a magic formula or anything. I'm just here to really like listen, take mm -hmm. in the information. A lot of times just like, repeat it back to my clients and give them that permission in that space. And a lot of it is really like, it's, it's amazing to see how, how much that alone helps clients kind of come to a place of peace with where they're at and be able to then have clarity of mind to make those financial decisions for themselves. Because at the end of the day, I'm their guide. I'm not here to tell them what to do. I'm their guide. I'm here to give them the tools, the education and the resources for them to make those decisions for themselves. Because if I tell them what to do, no one's gonna do anything. We know how it is when someone tells us what to do. But if you're empowered to make those decisions for yourself, you're more likely to implement them. You're more likely to hold yourself accountable to yourself because you're the one who took ownership of that decision mm. for yourself. I love that. And I think you know what I'm hearing too from you is you have a very, um, intuitive ability to listen to people, but you also seem to give them language that identifies and puts names on certain things so that they know what they need. They know if they need permission to spend or permission to save, or, you know, whatever it is. It sounds like you have a real strong ability to navigate that along with them. And I just want to thank you so much for your insight and perspective. Thank you for being here today, Anjali. Thank you for having me, Faith.